Hi everybody and welcome to the NDSC podcast, a place to share ideas for future and new management doctoral students. I am your host Jose and I have prepared for you a couple of episodes we recorded at the 2022 Academy of Management annual meeting live from Seattle. In this series of episodes you'll hear from faculty and students. They all provide some great advice that I think will be super helpful for your PhD journey. I hope you enjoy these conversations as much as I enjoyed recording them. Thanks for hearing us and welcome again. My next guest is Professor Brian Edwards at Oklahoma State University Spears School of Business. He's also the PhD coordinator for the management PhD program at the same school. What I like to do is usually with interviews to professors, academics, is always about the research, their experience as academics, but maybe if you want to share a little bit of who you are outside yeah. of academia, maybe hobbies, maybe something you like to do in your spare time that has nothing to do with research or, or teaching, right? Yeah. Sure, and thank you for having me on this uh, podcast, Jose. I'm uh, happy to be here. So my, I've been married for 20 years to Claire Bodwin Edwards, and she was, she's from New Orleans. I'm from South Alabama. We met at Texas A&M University, so we have three beautiful children, of uh, 16-year-old daughter, 15-year-old son, they're involved in tennis, baseball, football. Another 10-year-old son who's involved in golf and football. And so for the last three or four years, my hobbies outside of academia have just been their activities, tennis tournaments, baseball tournaments. Um, but it's been great. So we travel all over the country. We go to Kansas and Oklahoma and uh, Missouri and Texas and uh, for, for a lot of these tournaments. So that's been a lot of fun. And when I do take some time for myself, I do a lot of cycling out in Oklahoma near Stillwater there's there are tons of gravel roads miles and miles of gravel roads and so I uh, do gravel uh, biking and so it's a little special bikes in between a mountain bike and a road bike but it's a little safer out there on those gravel roads because you don't have all the traffic and, and when there is traffic it's a lot slower so I do enjoy doing that I run do road races 10ks half marathons and then I most of my hobbies are outdoors so things like hiking camping hunting fishing you name it. How, how do you think, and now I'm, I'm going into, into your role as an academic and as a professor, uh, kind of like how, how is the, the balance with your family, right? Uh, before I go to the kind of like our structure questions that we have for everybody, how kind of like you, you're able to manage or you approach that family life balance and your work? That's an excellent question uh, because like any other job, that's important and it's a challenge. But I'm lucky enough to have a wife who is very helpful and she works three days a week. And then I am lucky to have a job that is very flexible where if I need to take off at noon and drive a, a, a kid to Wichita, Kansas for a tournament, I can do so. And then just make up the hours at, at another time, either nights, weekends, whatever. So I, I take advantage of this job as an academic and the flexible hours to to meet that and you know when it comes to balance um, for me at least family comes first number one so if, if 
if I have to cancel a work meeting to to support one of my kids' activities, I do so. And um, and usually you can work around it. And everybody understands. We have in our department we have a lot of uh, faculty with with kids, and they're all in the same boat. And so we sometimes help each other out as well, uh, picking up kids from school so that someone can go to a meeting. So I think this job is much as much as any other job allows you to strike a balance between work and nice. family life. You know? So, uh, Brian, tell me a little bit about uh, what brought you to this career, like why you decided to do a PhD, uh, why a management PhD, why you, you decided on being OB, and then, yeah, uh, why, why being a professor and academic? It's a good question. My father had a PhD in clinical psychology. Okay. So, like a lot of kids, where you don't really know what you want to do at the age of 19 or 20, I just kind of I enjoyed seeing what he did and kind of followed in his footsteps. But then when I got into psychology major at the University of Alabama, um, I realized I don't know that I've got what it takes to be a clinician, <laughs> those are, or that I would enjoy it very much. And that takes a very special personality type. But I still had a passion for psychology. So one of my professors pulled me aside and, and suggested I take a look at IO Psych. We didn't have an IO Psych program at University of Alabama, and one, but when I did, uh, there were a lot of resources out there that PSYOP provided, um, and then I looked at Academy Management, HR, and OB. Um, I realized that's that's kind of really what I want to do. And so I applied to IO Psych programs, and and I've been doing it ever since. Nice. Okay. What is what is your favorite or most fulfilling thing about your career, about your work? The most fulfilling thing, well, it has to be mentoring students. That's, I mean, I love the research, and I love the, the high you get when you finally get something published, uh, but it's mentoring the students and seeing the high that they have when they finally get something published. I think that's the most, and I love the undergraduates, but my passion are really with the PhD students, and, um, and so what's fulfilling is, is um, mentoring them for their PhD, teaching the PhD, I mean, for their dissertation, teaching the PhD classes, and, um, and I've done a lot. I've, I've probably mentored close to 100 PhD students now um, with about 20, 25 committees that I've chaired, and then the rest I've been on the committee. And so that's impressive. I've, I've, got, I've got to work. Uh, and so the other side of the coin, right, uh, what's the most challenging thing about, about your work? I think the most challenging thing dovetails with the most, with the, the biggest advantage to our job. Because our job does is more entrepreneurial. I get to manage my own time, what I research, what I, who I work with, the hours that I work. But at the same time, I don't have anyone else directing what I'm doing. And so it's me that, uh, you know, designing or working, you know, and making commitments. And it's so easy to overcommit. And then what happens is you wind up letting down some of your co-authors or project um, co-PIs because you, you simply can't get done everything you need to. So that's that's the biggest challenge is time management and learning to say no. Mm. And for somebody who's a high, high in agreeableness like me, it's really difficult <laughs> to say no. I don't want to let anyone down up front, but I, but it's important to do so when I know I've already committed to some other things and, 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 and it even means turning down some really cool projects just simply because I've already committed to others and I want to fulfill those commitments. So. 
So I'm, I'm going to go uh, off script, and I was thinking on your previous response of mentoring students, in particular PG students, and kind of like your experience there. So what would you say, because I think this is going to be very relevant to uh, all the students that hear us, from all the committees you've chaired, from the students you've worked with, what are some of the characteristics that you feel that make a successful PhD student? And I know success can have many faces, but you see a, a student that is happy with uh, his or her results, uh, is achieving uh, her or his goals. What do you think uh, are some of the key uh, characteristics you see in them? I think the number one characteristic is impulse control. <laughs> um, you have, you know, you have to be able to give long periods of sustained attention on your dissertation or on your classwork, even when it's not all that interesting. And mm -hmm. so people who have trouble with impulse control, they have trouble focusing on, on a task that they don't find to be very interesting to them. And I, and, and I know your dissertation, you should have a passion for your dissertation. I'm not saying it's not interesting. But it can be tedious to sit down and work on it for three hours, four hours straight. So that's, and and I think for those students who are, who are ABD, versus those who finish, the difference could very well be impulse control. It's really hard for them to stay on task. So that's, I think that's the number one uh, characteristic. And then, I, it all it always helps to kind of take the mindset that this is an apprenticeship model. So pay attention to your professors and pay attention to the older graduate students and really learn from them and, and do what they say because they've they've been through it they've they, they you know it's not like we are trying to stamp out you know the academic freedom of, an, of a PhD student but if you can follow along and um and, and follow instructions from them to a T then once you've graduated and you're well trained and you're on your own um, then, then you get some flexibility in terms of what you want to study and how you want to go about doing things so Nice. So th those are things, uh, really good advice for, for anybody that will hear this. Um, what's the best advice you've received, maybe as a PhD student or even now uh, later in your career as a professor? What's the best advice that you've received? The best advice is from my PhD advisor, Dr. Winfred Arthur Jr., who just, he kept preaching, wear them down. That was a phrase he used to say, is wear them down. Uh, and what he meant was just persistence, because this field is full of failures. I mean, it's you're constantly having things rejected, grant proposals, manuscripts, you know, whatever it is. And so, it can get disappointing. But if if every manuscript has a home, and, and one of the things he used to say is, um, you know, just he never lets go of a project, so he always publishes it. Even if it gets rejected by the first two or three journals, there's always a home for it because you've already spent an enormous amount of hours uh, in in conducting your research. So dropping it um, because of the disappointments and you thinking I'll never get this thing published, you will, and you've already put in the work. So that persistence has I've taken to heart. Uh, I heard uh, Dr. Mike Campion one time say that he just worked every single day on on a, on a project just a little bit every day, devoted every time. And then once he got towards the end, he would he would go bulldog on it. It was a term he used where he just set aside everything else until he finished that manuscript. Um, but it's chipping away at it every single day. A lot, I think a lot of students, you're gonna run into a situation where you 
are looking for three hour block of time and you're going to put off working on a project until you get that three hour block of time it won't happen uh-huh. you'll never find that um, and so work on it when you can you know even if it's an hour in the morning or two hours in the morning or an hour in the evening um, just keep working on it chipping away so that persistence was the best advice I got so in in, 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 in that line uh, and I think that was like every, there's a there's a home for every manuscript and Maybe in your experience, can you share a little bit of like what strategy, what strategy have you approached um, when maybe you had a paper that it's two or your third rejection? How do you then go back to the paper and kind of like, okay, maybe I should change this or should I change the paper? Should I aim to a different journal? Kind of like what, what how, how do you go through that? Uh, I, and I think a lot of it depends upon the feedback that you're getting. Um, if it's a good fit for some of the journals that you, your target journals that you're publishing, um, hopefully the manuscript's improving after every review. So it's, I do think it's important that even after a rejection, you go ahead and revise it if it's, as if it's an R&R. Now, you don't have to respond to all the specific reviewer comments, but the big ones, you, because reviewers are going to pick up on it, the same issues at the next journal. Mm. Um, so there's one strategy. The second thing, you know, if it's... If it's clear that there's a flaw in the design, at that point you have to decide, do I need to collect additional data and supplement it? And that's where you can, um, you know, if it's a good project and you believe in it, then go forward and go ahead and collect some additional data and then, and then you, you have to pause sort of the review process and then go to another journal. But I think those are two of the strategies that I use. But li- paying attention to those reviewers is so it's so easy to read a re- set of reviews and say, well, that reviewer is completely wrong, or they're way off target, or they misunderstood. Yes, they may be wrong, but it's you have miscommunicated to them if they've come to the wrong conclusions. So the important thing is to, to use that feedback and, and make changes to the manuscript and, and improve the writing the communication. That's really good. So, on 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 terms also kind of like of advice and is there is there a resource uh, that you would like to share, maybe that has been super helpful for you, or that you've seen that has been helpful for your students, and that could be maybe a conference, a workshop, a paper that you said like this paper should be read by every <laughs> student because I don't know is there something that you think like a good resource that especially young PhD students uh, could be helpful for them. Well, I think the best resource for PhD students is, is Karma huh. and, and the videos they provide. They've done a fantastic job of, of putting them in front of experts for all the different analyses and design features that, they, that they're going to encounter. And although I teach the methods course to our PhD, there are others who know some of those designs and analyses much better than me. So, you know, the fact that Karma has put them in front of the students is, is, is a very valuable resource and then the other ones are, are the classics the Cohen Cohen West and Aiken book that I use frequently to uh, on regression I, I use it as a you know a resource when I get stuck some analysis the mutins have done a really good job with their M plus discussion board and explaining how to do, do some analysis interpret results and for design issues it's uh, the Shaddish Cook and Campbell textbook. So those are some of the best resources, I think, for, for analysis and, and design. Perfect. 
So the, the the last the last our last section is is a, a fun game a little game. Yeah. So we have here, it's like thirty cards, right? Yeah. And all, all these all these cards, each one has a different question. Yes. So it's like a random pick. It's mm -hmm. uh, and these questions were sourced from a survey we sent out to our NDSE participants, asking, hey, if you could ask anything to a a professor a faculty, what this would be? These are very friendly questions. Yeah. And uh, nothing to worry about. So, but it's <laughs> it's completely random. So I'm showing so, Brian like 30, in front, and he can pick. I pick anyone. a card at random. Yes. Let's see. You can you can read that one. Let's see. So this one is share a bit of your job market experience. Yeah. Perfect. So, of my own experience, or, um, as when I was on the job market, because yeah. it was 20 years ago. <laughs> uh, it's 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 okay. I think. Yeah. Um, I think. Oh, the. So I, I think you, it's preparation. So the, the experience that, some of the advice that I got, I, I had um, Dr. Stephanie Payne gave me questions um, that I should ask on my interviews, um, on my on-campus interviews. And I thought it was so fascinating because there were questions that you asked the person who picks you up from the airport and drives you to the hotel. Mm -hmm. It's questions you ask people, the staff at the hotel. It's questions that you ask. Uh, the dean, the department head, the faculty, the students. I mean, it was so comprehensive and I prepared all, so I always had questions to ask and I make sure, I mean, you're there interviewing for a day, sometimes two days, and they can get redundant over and over and over. Um, and so I would also, so as long as you're, if you're prepared, you can always ask something unique and get some unique information, and you're always prepared with questions. I would say, you know, you want to pay attention to how you treat everybody, you know, the administrative assistant, the person at the hotel lobby desk. Um, we, when we interviewed at uh, Oklahoma State, um, the realtor gives us feedback on, on what was said. So you want to be very careful about the, the whole thing is a job interview, um, no matter who you're talking with. And so I think that's that was an experience that I don't think I, I learned until I was on the job market. Like you're not taught that during the mm -hmm, PhD mm -hmm. program. That's really and good. Now, I mean, I think good. even now that I'm thinking when I when I did my interviews, I was like, oh, did I <laughs> did I do everything mm -hmm. right? Yes. Right. Uh, so just to finish, uh, Brian, uh, and your program coordinator, uh, what should be someone that is considering a PhD thinking on? Like when, when, when they're in this, okay, mindset, okay, should I go for a PhD? Okay, I'm going for a PhD. When they're thinking about where to apply, what should they be considering uh, when, when they're doing this process? That's an excellent question. And I think there's, a, there's no one thing that you consider. I mean, the most obvious thing is to think carefully about your, your research interest and be able to articulate that. I don't think you have to have know specifically what you want to do. So, for instance, you, you don't have to go in and say, well, I'm, I'm going to study personality testing in selection. It can be more broad, like selection and testing, but you want, or, or training, but you want to give some examples. And from that perspective, you want to talk a little bit more like an academic, so you want to pull some articles, um, and, and particularly from faculty where you are going to apply look for faculty that are conducting research in the area that you want 
and you, you have to make a decision as to whether or not you want to do OB or strategy. I don't think it's a disqualifier if you don't pick one or another, mm -hmm. but it does help to articulate some of the research questions that you're interested in because we have to know that you are interested in research because it's a research degree um, and it is, um, you know, it's a huge commitment of time for both the student and the faculty. So we need them to have some passion for, for some, some research. And so that's part of it. And then I think who's there and who's publishing regularly. Um, so you, you need, your job is gonna be dependent upon your publication record. Okay. And your publication record is gonna be reflected by the activity of the faculty on, on staff. So if they are regularly active and publishing, you know, one or two things per year, um, you're, you're in good shape, so you wanna pay attention to that um, and, and look at their vetoes, so. I think that one is, yeah. is critical, that yeah. last one. Perfect, Brian. I don't want to take more of your time. Uh, I really appreciate you taking some time. We're at AOM. Oh, well, maybe because we're at AOM, um, any kind of like recommendations for like first year PhD students that are coming to a conference, maybe AOM, anything that you would recommend for like your first timers? Yes. Um, I mean, you're, you have a lot of sessions to choose from, you know. And I think some of the best in our field are doing round tables, some panels, and all the consortiums. So the early doc student consortium, the late doc student consortium. You want to go to as many of those as you can, because that's where you're going to get advice, like I'm giving you right here on this podcast. And, and you get to ask questions, and it's interactive, and you learn a lot. I think that's also important, particularly the consortiums, because you, those are, those are going to be your colleagues 10 years from now. Mm -hmm. And they're going to be the one, you know, if you make, your cl some of my closest friends were from when I was an, a doc student at Texas A&M and then I met them at universities all over the country and because as a PhD student you kind of hang out together in the evenings and you know at, at uh, night you kind of attract to one another and work with each other so those are going to be your collaborators in 10 years they're going to be the journal editors in 10 years and they're going to be our, in the leadership at AOM and so you, you'll be connected that's, that's, that's going to be your strongest network I think that's pretty good. Pretty good advice for AOM. Yeah. Well, perfect. Thanks again, no Ryan, and thanks everybody for, for, for hearing us. Thanks for joining me, and please stay in the loop for our next episode. I really hope everything we share here contributes to a happy and better PG journey for you.